and welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 217. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I am Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we're discussing Voyager's fourth season episodes, The Killing Game, parts one and two, and vis-a-vis, we're going to discuss The Killing Game, parts one and two as one. Here we go. The Killing Game, Season 4, Episodes 18 and 19, Production Codes 186 and 187, Original Air Date, March 4th, 1998, Directed by David Livingston, Written by Brandon Braga and Joe Minoski, Music Composed by David Bell, Guest Cast Include Danny Goldring as Alpha Herogen, J. Paul Bomer as Nazi, David Keith Anderson as Ensign Ashmore, Mark Deakins as Herogen SS Officer, Paul S. Eckstein as Young Herogen, Peter Hendrickson as Klingon Hologram, and Mark Metcalf as Herogen Medic. A Herogen hunting party has taken over Voyager and put its crew to work as living holodeck characters. Their minds are controlled by neural interfaces which make them believe they are their characters, while forcing the Doctor to treat them for repeated hunts. There are 85 Herogen on board, concentrated on decks 2 through 9. What about the bridge? Four Herogen and Ensign Kim. At least he's alive. The neural interfaces, you said they're controlled through sickbay. Yes. There's only one Herogen in sickbay with the doctor. But the corridors outside are heavily guarded. That's our first objective, disable the interfaces, but we'll need help. We did have allies in the World War II simulation, the French resistance. It's time we mount a resistance of our own. The Killing Game. You know, this is an episode that I remember liking at the time. I really do. I remember liking this episode. And... Here we are. How many years later? What what was the air date on this thing, Steve? Uh, March fourth of ninety eight. So almost exactly uh, twenty one years ago. You know, I remember liking this episode at the time, but here we are, two decades later, and I'm I'm watching it, and I don't know. I I kind of think it's just it's there's so much. It's just nuts. There's so much going on. So now, real Janeway and real Seven work with Voyager crew that think they themselves are resistance, while thinking Janeway and Seven are actually resistance, and not knowing that they're real. And I'm confusing myself writing this. <laughs> I know that this actual story makes sense, and as someone that knows Star Trek pretty darn well, the story makes sense. But it's just, it's just too much. It's just one step too many to the point where it's just, yeah. Nonsense. I don't know. I have a feeling I'm the only person that's thinking this way because I don't really remember thinking it before. But I was watching it this time and just thinking, what? Come on. I mean, I understand. It's not that I don't follow the story. I just think that it's too, too, too many dang layers. Can you imagine if this was your first episode of Voyager? Can you imagine? No. It would it would just be complete nonsense. You would have no idea what the f is going on, <laughs> right? Right, right, right. I think that this episode, I think these episodes, just needed a, to be grounded a tiny bit more. So tell me, I'm wrong, and that you guys like these episodes a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't like either of them. I actually found myself bored in the first episode. Um, because not really a lot happens. It's just a lot of setup. And then the second episode, I mean, you know, I'm kind of summarizing here without going into much detail. In the second episode, I kind of couldn't wait for it to be over. <laughs> I don't really have anything else to say. I mean, I mean, it's... There's, there's... Another thing is, 
they're just so you know, much, like, it serves the story well for our heroes to be like so brainwashed but i don't think it serves our characters on our show well like they come off i don't know it's it's like disconcerting it, it makes me uncomfortable and maybe that's the intention but i mean uh, i don't remember thinking these kind of thoughts 20 years ago but it i mean it's like creepy i don't know steve yeah you know um I don't remember back in the day thinking, I mean, then think I was, this was episode was that great or that awful. And I'm kind of in the same boat now in the sense that like, I'm not, I'm not, I don't find it a turn off. I do agree that like, like so many two part episodes, um, by the second, like halfway through the second one, it starts to get like, it just feels like, you know, they're, they're filling in stuff to make it two parts because it was just too much for one or they want to spread out the money and I get all that. Um, and, and it is certainly convoluted. It's, it's got this convoluted kind of thing going on where, I mean, you follow it just because you know all everything so well and you get where they're going and there's these layers and all that too. But yeah, I don't think it serves the story well. I think, I think, I think the one kind of redeeming thing about it is that, um, you know, it is, the Herogen are kind of interesting. I wish they would have handled them a little better because I think they had a lot of potential to be a very different alien race, and they, they are. And, and this is, you, you do sit to see a character who's got a an agenda that he's like looking out for the good of his entire civilization and doing it in a very bizarre way, which probably you know remove a layer and then add some you know add some motivation and clarity for that, and you may have it may have helped these episodes too. Um, so I guess all that together makes it me kind of like, oh, you know, it's sort of a sort of a fun romp and something different, really. But there, there's a lot of problems too. So I don't know. I'm kind of on the fence, I guess. I said that I I follow the story because I know the characters and stuff. But actually, I realize that's not exactly true. I don't really understand by by the beginning of the second episode when Janeway and Seven are both. Uh, aware of who they are and they come up with a plan. I don't really understand the plan. I don't really understand what they're doing. And eventually it gets to a point where there's like an explosion in sick bay. Is that right? And then that turn deactivates everybody else's like neural transmitters, inhibitors, whatever they are. But even then, like, was that the extent of the plan was just to free those people's minds yeah, they didn't really think beyond that. They didn't really think beyond that. It was kind of like, let's do that, and then we'll figure it out or something, you know? So, I yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, they didn't really. There's not a lot of logic to that, right? Because no. I assume that their minds were free when the Herogen took over the ship. Right. And the Herogen still took over the ship. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. It doesn't, it doesn't make a great deal of sense. It's one of these you kind of, if you're like half asleep watching it, it's better, I think. You know, you just kind of like. Yeah, it's like a. Uh... Uh, you know, making it so that you don't actually have to pitch when you want to walk a guy. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You look down for a second and you're like, what just happened? <laughs> I see. I'm first. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> you know, I mean, just little stuff I have like in my notes. Because we, we see them, they're the resistance, right? And they're, but they're, they're speaking English. And then when Torres goes to the Nazi headquarters and the German, the Nazi guy comes up to her and they speak a little bit of German. And I just wrote, so the Germans speak German, but the French speak English. Right. Yeah. Is that right? Apparently. Does that make any sense? 
No, but you know, why didn't they just if the if the Germans had just spoken English, I would never even would have thought it. But <laughs> like, why did they go to that trouble? Yeah, yeah, the goofy language convention stuff, though, of course, stretches amongst anything and everything, including Star Trek itself. You know, when when Klingons are around, you know, it, it, yeah, I don't, whatever. But okay, well, I, there are things about these that episodes that I like. I think that they're, I think these episodes are uh, beautiful to look at. I think they're visually really great the design is really good i've said before i'm i'm kind of sick of nazis i don't need to see them anymore but i won't fault this episode for that because i wasn't thinking that when this was made by the time we get to enterprise then i felt like i was done with them but here uh, you know and i think the herojin look really cool in those mm-hmm. uniforms i think that the, all the outside stuff looks really nice the big fight at the end does feel pretty big and it's pretty nutty when you have the Klingons running in there. The actor that plays the Commandant, he's really good. He has a couple of scenes that are outstanding. There's a scene when he's talking to his XO and he's like, we no longer have a culture. He's his The writing is really good in that scene, his speech and stuff, and his acting is really good. And then even better, I think, there's the scene with him and the Nazi leader, human guy, and he's like, you should respect your prey. You know, um, that scene is really well written and an interesting take on that, you know, German dominance and, and Nazi uh, elitism uh, that I hadn't heard before. And actually, I will also say that that actor that played the Nazi human, I thought he was really good. Um so it's not that there aren't good things in here. There, there are, and I'm not, I'm not saying I hate these. I just think that they're. I guess that's the word. The word you had is is the word I was looking for, Steve. Convoluted. It's so convoluted that I just kind of get lost watching it, and I don't care. <laughs> yeah. And that's not a good sign. And and I and I'm with you. Like I don't. I definitely didn't like love these episodes 21 years ago. But I found, I don't know, I think I found more to like about them mm, yeah. then. Yeah. Like, even just op- opening with Janeway as a Klingon. I mean, who asked for that? Who wants to see Captain Janeway as a Klingon? Yeah, that's really weird. Raise your hand. My hand's not up. Yes, I don't need that anywhere in my life. <laughs> I mean, she's great, right? Kate McGrew is a great actress. Janeway is a great character and a great captain. I don't need to see her getting her butt kicked as a Klingon. I mean, just this doesn't bring anything to me. Yeah, I I guess I just don't have anything uh, outside of a couple of well-written dialogue scenes and good performances. Um, This episode doesn't bring a lot to me. They they hint at the at an idea of trying to do something interesting with a Herosian, mm-hmm. you know, with that commandant wanting to um, save his race by altering the hunt right. by using holodeck stuff. And I don't know how much. Yeah, you know, there's not so much. It's, at, yeah, at the end of the at the end of the episode, what actually happens? She shoots him, and he flies off a cliff or whatever. Yeah, right. I mean, that's what it kind of comes down to. Um, there's a brief moment where she gives the guy uh, the um, 
little portable holodeck thing, but I don't know. Sounds like I hate it. I don't hate it. I just, I just want a reason to love it, and I cannot find one. When they spend so much money and uh, and two episodes and burn two episodes on this, that's I think it demands a little more. <laughs> you know, we gotta yeah. Let us redefine progress to mean just because we can do a thing doesn't mean we must do that thing. <laughs> uh, what's what are these episodes about? Just changing your culture. Yeah, I feel like they were. You know, they wanted to say something about that whole idea of uh, doing radical things and sacrificing, you know, taking radical steps and maybe sacrificing, you know, your current situation to, you know, make things better and all this kind of thing for a culture, but there's just not enough setup or understanding as to why that is. Plus it's not happening with our own characters. It's happening with a Herogen that we only meet in this episode. So that's hard to do whenever it all, it all falls on the shoulders of a, you know, a, a, not the current cast, what it's supposed to be about and stuff too. So it just doesn't really work, you know, in that respect. Again, I don't think these are awful. I just don't think it, I think it's just mediocre, you know. I found them to be awful. <laughs> so somewhere between awful and mediocre, perhaps. It's the, it's the perhaps that really sells it, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe this doesn't totally suck. Watch perhaps. it. Check it out. Maybe. Okay, let's do six degrees for the killing game. Steve, are you going first or second? I'll, I'll go first. first. Danny Goldfing plays Carr, the Herogen leader who really likes holodecks. He played the Nausicaan captain in the first season of Enterprise. Fill in the blank for this title. Blank son. Uh, prodigal? Nope. Adam? Rising. <laughs> you guys got any other adjectives? Uh, <laughs> about fortunate. Oh, that sounds good. <laughs> uh, Adam Goldring performed in another episode of Enterprise called Catwalk that had to do with the um, catwalk. What season was that? It was not the first season because that was the season he was in Fortunate Son. Um, season three? No, I'm not going to give Steve a comeback because he'd only he'd have a fifty fifty shot. But what would you have guessed, Steve? Two. Yes, it would have been two. Did you know that before Adam guessed three? I was uncertain between first and second, but as soon as you said not first, I would have oh, said two. All right. In that case, I'm going to give you the point. Oh, Look at oh that. snap. <laughs> I could have made all that up. <laughs> you have an honest face. All right. Uh, Steve has one. Moving on. Vis-a-vis -vis, season four, episode 20, production code 188, original air date, April 8th, 1998, directed by Jesus Salvador Trevino, written by Robert J. Doherty, music composed by Dennis McCarthy. Guest cast include Dan Butler as Steth and Mary Elizabeth McGlynn as Dalen. Tom Paris has become restless and uninspired by life on Voyager. Lately, he's been spending a lot of time on the holodeck, restoring a 1969 Camaro. He hasn't been paying much attention to his girlfriend, Bellana, and he's been skipping out on his sickbay shifts with the doctor. His attention is sparked when he is called to the bridge to help identify an anomaly, which turns out to be a ship with a working coaxial warp drive, a technology previously thought to be only hypothetical. I was just hoping that maybe you could help me recalibrate the plasma manifolds tonight. Um, uh, I, uh... I probably should go help Steph. 
Tom, is there something wrong? <sighs> Why are you interrogating me? I didn't think I was. It sounds more like you want me to account for every minute that I'm not with you. That's ridiculous. Can I have some time to myself? Can I do what I want without having to report every detail of it to you? Tom, you can do whatever you want. I just wanted to know if there was something wrong. Here's something I don't think I've ever written in my notes before. My last note about this episode, I just put a frowny face. I haven't done that. Cool, like emojis and stuff, but yeah. written down. It doesn't really translate podcast, but I did I did bold surprising nobody anywhere ever, Janeway turns out to be Steph. <laughs> uh, I remember the first time I saw this episode, I'm like, really? <laughs> oh. uh-huh. Okay. Uh, Adam, you want to kick us off on vis-a-vis? Vis-a-vis. It's kind of a mediocre episode. I don't know. It's kind of strange having it after what we just went through. Obviously, it takes place a good amount of time after um, the killing game, because obviously Tom is bored by this point after he just went through all what he went through. So I think it was just kind of oddly placed in the sequence. Um, Like I said, it's an all right episode. The only thing that I had in my notes is like, you know, Janeway and Paris had a baby at one point and um, now Janeway got to be Paris at one point. I thought it would have been fun if, um, if we would have got to see Janeway be Paris instead of him just being knocked out. Yeah, it's kind of just a prototypical, mediocre episode. Um, don't really, I don't really know what else, much else to say about it. And when we get to what it's about, I don't know. We can go through the details. You know, it's a proto ship. Um, Tom's bored. He gets excited because he gets to work with this pilot, and this pilot kind of gives him this feeling of what life used to be like for him. You know, as a test pilot, so that's kind of right up Tom's alley. Um, I never, the one of the things that I kind of never understood about um, Tom Paris is like, you know, yeah, he had medical training, but why do they keep pushing him into the, um, the sick bay? I'm like, you know, I would think they would have somebody else who would be, you know, you want somebody that would be more interested in, in caring for people. But I don't know, I guess it gives, um, gives, it gives them something to write about and the banter with the doctor and, and Tom, I guess, is interesting. And yeah, it's um, about all I got. Well, I'm going to go straight for the jugular. Like, did Steph as Tom sleep with Torres? I think so. There's kind of this this look at some point between Torres and him later on that tells me that happened, I think. I mean, that wasn't like somebody inhabiting Tom's brain. That was another physical body. Yeah. We don't make... There's no mention of this anymore. Yeah. I mean, this is kind of like, like legally today, this would be rape. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this episode, yeah, amongst its other problems, it totally feels like an isolated in a bubble thing anyway, because yeah, that's not addressed anywhere later. Like you said earlier, Adam, it, it comes after the killing game and it feels like it's an entirely different universe because mm-hmm. apparently Tom's been agitated and not happy with things forever and nothing is wrong with the ship and everyone is just jacking around and goofing with cars and all this stuff you know i mean it's 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 a very isolated episode and it's just not not good i mean it's 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 they're actually it's just about a step away from being kind of laughable in some ways some of the things you know some of the you know, there, there's really no motivation. I wrote, I wrote things down about like, why, why is this guy doing what he does? Is, is I'm going to, I'm going to change bodies and shift around just so I can get away with. I wrote, crimes. what is the point here? Yeah. 
Yeah, and the fight. I mean, well, even before Tom, you know, the early fight scenes between Tom and Bellana were kind of silly. They always kind of seemed forced and very, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. They're not even very interesting fights. They're like, um, you know, you, you listen to Tom and you're like, God, he's a jerk. And then you listen to Bellana and you're like, yeah, she's not even much better than he is. It's like, they're not even interesting fights. I mean, it's very like um, a typical prototypical writing when they, when they have a fight, you know. And you, I don't normally complain about this sort of thing, but I thought like there was like at the beginning when Tom's saving his ship and stuff, there was so much techno babble that it was, it was just, it was nonsense. I'm like, he's having an entire conversation with himself speaking nonsense. I don't normally notice or care. I, sometimes I even enjoy a little techno babble, but this, the, the, it was just silly. The, the thing that I find almost, I don't know, egregious is such a strong word, but the thing I find almost egregious is that I don't see how anybody would have read this script and thought this was going to be a good episode, right? Like, like, are we going to really be able to pull this off? We're going to have, we're going to have some guest actor playing Tom Paris, a character that our audience knows pretty gold darn well. We're going to have, we're going to have a guest actor playing him. I mean, is that going to work? I don't know. This episode, I kind of feel would have worked better in the first or second season because we kind of, you know, we have that scene early on with Jacote where he's like, "Well, you've come a little long way, Tom. I wouldn't want you to slip back." And I'm like, "Yeah, this kind of he feels, already, yeah, like he, are, we've already been through this. Yeah, there's this no like a first back. or second no, season, like... yeah, thing." Yeah, I think you're right. This would have made sense. Maybe this was sitting on a shelf for a couple of years. Arc. And the episodes were just worse in general back then, so it wouldn't have felt as bad. <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least it has a, a Camaro, or excuse me, a Camaro. Uh, this, you know, 69, 68 Camaro is a beautiful car. What's the episode about? Um, I guess knowing your play, you know, I, I guess maybe that the grass isn't gr- always greener on the other side. I mean, you know, to kind of know yourself and appreciate the, the situation that you're in. But I don't even know if that's right. Because Tom kind of seems to realize that before he's, you know, morphed into the other dude. So that's kind of what I had. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I, that's probably what they're going for and stuff. I just don't think it's very strong. Because it felt it, – it's convoluted in a different way than the last one, right? Because they, it's like they manipulate, you know, the, the characters in such a fashion just to serve the – lackluster plot of this story let's let's create this conflict with paris and torres and even though we didn't really why all of a sudden he's discontent and they're going downhill and all these kinds of things just to serve this story which isn't very good and that's what's it's like a big mess to get to this other mess that doesn't really say much you know and so it's 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 kind of unfortunate you know it's like it it, it, it's like it's lies in the arc of the show um, but it really, it doesn't serve the arc in any way. And all it does is have this standalone single episode that isn't very good to serve, you know, just, you know, in the end. So, yeah. Did you guys get any sense in any way? Like when Tom is like helping Steph and he's all happy and excited to be in there and they're, they're did you get any kind of, even the tiniest, like, like they might've had any kind of intention for there to be some, like a spark of a romantic thing between the two of them? Uh, yeah, I mean, now you say it. I mean, it did. It did almost seem like there was a slight bit of something there. They. I could guess have I'm been. asking because I, I never really thought it before, but I, I'm trying. I was trying to find like some sense for what is. I think what it, is yeah. making Tom suddenly so disinterested in his life or not happy with 
with Bellana or I don't know. Yeah. Well, I, I think the the mannerisms of the the actor playing the the Steth guy somehow lend themselves to that. There's something about the way he kind uh-huh. of comes across as they're conversing and stuff too that I'm not I'm sure if it was handled a little bit differently. I'm not sure that would have come across that way. It's like, I mean, I, I you know in retrospect, he's being ingratiating to get his trust so he can take it take over his body and all this kind of bit. But yeah, there's something about it that made made me kind of think that a little bit too. So maybe it's just the way he's he's playing the part a little bit. All right, you both you guys both did what it's about. So I guess we're ready to move on. Sounds like we didn't really care. I mean, yeah. We didn't, at, at least you know I'll take the Killing Game over Vis a Vig, but just because I think the Killing Game is pretty. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm kind it, of. It was a it was a long two and a half hours for me last night watching all three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> let's do six degrees for Vis a V. Dan Butler. Let's see. Uh, Steve has one. Adam, are you going first or second? I'll go second. Vis-a-vis, uh, so, so second, holy moly. All right, Steve, uh, Dan Butler plays Steth. He also played a bridge crew member from Voyager in the episode Vis-a-vis. Name him. <laughs> uh, Tom Paris. That's correct. Adam, Robbie McNeil plays Steth. He also played a bridge crew member from Voyager in the episode Vis-a-vis. Name him. I'm Tom Paris. Or Look at Dan? that. Steve takes it for the day with the two to Adam's one. Very good. So at the end of our previous episode, I I met, talked a little bit about um, New Zealand, and I guess I was maybe hinting around a little bit too much. And we had a person, we had we had two emails come from our last podcast. One of them, one from was was from a person in support and saying how great it was that we talked about that, and the other was saying the opposite. I and I and I want to point out I respect both of those emails and I thank you both for emailing us. I think that I should I I know I've done it before and I think that what I should do is just not beat around the bush so much. And you know, I never think of myself as I never think of myself as a liberal or a conservative honestly. I do know that I when I talk about things like you know, things that are are, are political on our show, I really honestly am thinking of it from a Star Trek point of view. And maybe that's nutty and naive, but I really mean it when I say I want this, I want this future Star Trek utopia. And um, I think in the future, I'm going to not, I'm not going to beat around the bush because uh, I don't think that's serving anybody and that's not being fair. And I hope that that doesn't offend you. I promise to any kind, anytime something like that comes up, it will be at the end of our show. I don't want to offend anybody, but at the end of the day, uh, I feel strongly about certain things and I feel strongly in the future of Star Trek. And this is one of the reasons that I love Star Trek and I want this world to be real. And that's why I'm a Trekker and not a Trekkie. And emails are always welcome. Throw them at us. As I've often said, we do not make any money on this podcast. Obviously, we don't have any ads. Um, but I literally spend money on this podcast. I spend about $100 a year of my own money just in the server space. Not to mention all of us give up our time to make this podcast. I, I don't know about you guys, but my average is a couple hours a week, right? Uh, if somebody would like to sponsor our show, uh, if you want to give us money, I, I might, money might not make me say 
into something I don't believe in, but it will make me shut my mouth. I'll do that for you. (laughs) 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 No, no, look, I I really do. I welcome a discourse. Uh, I totally respect people that think differently. And I really hope we never lose any listeners because I offend someone and you are always welcome to send me an email and I will always read it. And I will always respect you for sending it. And I love everybody. Guys, got anything you want to add? We good? No, I don't think so. No, no. Like I said, we just we love the interaction. You know, if you have if you have comments or emails, yeah, we just yeah, we all like reading them and checking them out. And you know, everybody's everybody. Not everybody's going to agree on everything, and that's fine. You know, we we respect everybody's opinion and point of view, and that's how life is. But yeah, don't don't ever be afraid to email us. We'll, we love I have a email. feeling we would all agree that vis a vis is not very good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Solidarity. And it, 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 if you're still listening after this exciting episode of Star Trek, of the, the resilient episodes that we... I'm hoping that the next three episodes of Voyager are fantastic. And we're going to discuss them in two weeks when we come back. So until next time, you can follow us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash Trek Companion. Our Twitter handle is at Trek Companion. Definitely send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com. Until next time, take it easy. Bye, guys. See ya. Stefan, I passed it.